Well, I wasn't here last week. Um, but Maggie Parent Trap Keller was here. And where's Maggie? Maggie, what you did on this stage last week, I watched your uh, little sermon <clears throat> on a flight to California the next morning. And I didn't know if I should be inspired or insecure. I felt real intimidated because this was her first sermon ever and she blew the roof off of the place. Can I get one more amen, please? Unbelievable. You don't know this, Maggie, because we haven't, we haven't talked yet, but um, I, I, so I was in California this past week in a class and I was talking about you behind your back. And we were talking in class about church leadership and, and some, well, I won't get into it because I'll get in trouble. And I don't want to finish in the last three weeks getting in trouble. But what I will say is this. There was one point where I just said, listen, to each their own, I understand. This is to my classmates. But I really do feel sorry for all of you who are leading communities that do not affirm women in leadership. Because you really do not know how much you are missing out on. You don't know how much gifts are in the women who are in your community. And when you just set aside 20 minutes of space up here, your minds are blown. So, Maggie, thank you for what you did last week. It was beautiful. I appreciate it. It was awesome. It was so good. Now, on that note, because I didn't have to uh, preach last week, obviously, that, that week, that, that week leading up to last week was, quite honestly, one of the first weeks... I've had in a long time where I just didn't have much going on. I mean, I, I didn't have like a paper I needed to produce. I didn't have a sermon that I needed to work on. Uh, I faked a lot of phone calls whenever I smelled dirty diapers. I just felt like I had a lot of extra time on my hands. And in a season where it's been go, 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 get doing, doing, you have a lot laundry list that needs to get accomplished, it was kind of strange to just stop and stand still. And as I did stop and stand still, I, I was emailing John Crosby, and uh, I started asking questions, started asking about, you know, when is my exit interview, when uh, should I leave my office? Uh, I told him what kind of cake I liked, should he wanted to bake me one before I leave. And I told, I think, Tyler and a few others do this, but it was really strange because as I was writing this email, I just started to cry. And I never actually even sent the email. But it was this strange moment where the weight of all that is happening, it was like the first time I actually saw it for what it is. You know, I saw this season that we're in, it is very holy and it is also very hard. And in this process of go, 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 and then stop and stare and see this place that I love and the people that I love. And we're moving forward. And life won't be the same after this month, and there's a shift that is happening, and in that week, amidst the tears, and uh, kind of just, I think, just crashing into reality in different ways, I started to pray a lot about, God, you know, I, I feel like, God bless that narrative lectionary, I love it, but I feel like we're going to have to color outside the lines a little bit in this final month, like, God, what do you want to say to us in our final times together, and again and again, I just kept coming back to really, um, not a story of Scripture, but the story of Scripture, the Exodus story. 
And by coming back, I mean, it was surprising. I would run into this in the strangest places. I would be going out for coffee with Corcoran, and he'd be talking about Moses and the Exodus. I went to coffee the next day with Jeff Thompson, and he's talking about Moses. And the, I kid you not, I go to Sacramento on Monday, and my professor stands up, opens the Bible, and what do you think he read from? Leviticus. But... He said, in a little while we're going to be having a break, which obviously, prophetically, he was talking about the breaking of the waters, and so I just cannot escape the <laughs> Exodus story. It is all over me, and so I keep going back to it again and again, and as I've been sitting in this story, uh, there's one part in particular that has never jumped out to me before, but has really just grabbed me, uh, especially over this last week, and it's, it's the moment where Moses, he sees a bush that's on fire, but... Um, the bush won't be consumed, and the flames start to speak. And after Moses reluctantly accepts the assignment that God has for him, there's this line in Exodus 3.21 where it reads like this. God says to Moses, and I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every morning in California this week, I woke up with that. Do you hear what God is saying here to Moses? God says to Moses, I know where you've been and I know where you are. I know what you've been living in and I know what you've been hoping for. I know the feeling of being stuck. I know the questions that don't have answers. I know where you are, Moses. But when all is said and done, what has felt like subtraction will play out like addition because you will not leave empty-handed. And this ought to encourage you just as much as this encourages me. Because as I've already noted, it has been a stretching season. We started talking about this movement towards Knox in South Minneapolis about 12 months ago, which is really bizarre to think about. And since we threw ourselves into that conversation, a lot of other things have been thrown inside that conversation, and it has been a stretching and trying and pushing and pulling kind of season. And a lot of us are fatigued, and yet we are full of faith. And God tells Moses that after a season like that, you will not leave empty-handed. All of the stress that we've gone through, the stress that we carry right now, it's going to make you a little bit stronger. Uh, a lot of the chaos and the confusion, it's going to make you more compassionate. A lot of the moments where you didn't know a way forward, it's going to make you a lot more inclined to looking for one who does. You will not leave this season empty-handed. And so one of the questions I thought I was going to ask you tonight is, what are you going to come out of this season with? Uh, like, so often, it can be so easy to celebrate what we are going into that we forget to ask what we're going to come out with. We can easily move from one stage to the next that so we rarely pause, turn around, and say, along the way, here's what I gained. Here's where I grew. Here's what I picked up. I thought at one point I'd walk out empty-handed, but that certainly is not the case anymore. It's been hard, but it's been holy. It's been ridiculous, but it's been refining. In the lowest of my lows, even as we make our exit, we will not leave empty-handed. And so what will you be walking out with? That, again, was the question that I really thought I was going to be focusing on tonight. But as I was sitting on an airport 
You don't sit on an airport. You sit in, I suppose. I was sitting in an airport in Sacramento yesterday, and, you know, sermons are never really safe when somebody with ADD has to sit down and sit still for a long time. Your mind will just start to wander. And as I was sitting there, uh, I realized that, or this is what I think, is that I'm not supposed to ask tonight what are you going to be leaving with, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I'm going to be leaving with. I'm going to share with you a couple of things that as I was in that airport in Sacramento and in that airport in Phoenix, what I've actually realized in this season of stopping and turning around and seeing the things that God has put in our hands to walk out with, some of the ways that God has blessed us. And as I've reflected on, you know, my experience, is what I've realized is that it's all in the Exodus. What I've gained throughout this year is not unique to me, it's universal to us all. And so as you even mull on, you know, for yourself and think about what have we gained throughout the year? How have I grown? How have I been developed? What have I been stretched? Maybe some of these things could help you point it out because I believe that each of these things that I have identified, that I have picked up throughout the past year, a lot of you have done the same thing. And for me, I guess I suppose it starts really at the beginning of the Israelite story. Again, I've, I've really felt like this is a, a story for us during this season as I've sat in it. There have been a few parts that have really jumped out at me, and I've gone, yeah, yeah, I get that. I know what that's like. Now, let me also acknowledge this. Obviously, this is something that's a little ridiculous. We're really going off script, and I hope you guys don't mind. But it's, there's always like this little bit of a tension, a little bit between uh, taking these ancient, you know, biblical, epic stories and then like minimizing them so they can fit into our lives. You know what I mean? Like, I've heard pastors talk about, like, you know, David beat Goliath, and you can make next month's car payment. It doesn't work. It's not the same thing. It's a very difference between this and that. They are not one and the same. And so I understand there's a gap between our experience of moving to South Minneapolis, leaving a place that we love and a people that we love, and the Egyptians who were in 400 years of slavery leaving. You get what I'm saying? There's a difference between us and them. I understand that gap. But we do know that place of sitting where we don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. We do know what it looks like to carry more I don't knows than, oh yeah, that's how we do it. We understand what that space is. Maybe not directly, but we do understand it. And maybe one of the ways that we have encountered this familiarity the very most has been in the original, the initial, the primitive, and the primal cry that the Israelites lift up to God. In Exodus 2, The Israelites cry out to God. And what we quickly find out from our vantage point is that God hears their cries. He hears their groaning. And he remembers the covenant. Not only that, though, God was concerned about them. The people cry out. And their cries reach the ears of a concerned God. But that's not where the story stops, is it? The people cry out. God hears them. God is concerned. But then God turns around and talks to Moses. Do you see the problem with this? The people talk to God about their problems. And God talks to Moses. The people have this massive problem. And they go to God with it. And God goes to Moses. That's a problem in and of itself. 
Because my understanding of how spirituality, my understanding of what a relationship with Christ was supposed to look like was if I have a problem and I go to God, I expect God to talk to me. But that's not what the story says. Read the text. The people went to God with a problem and God went to Moses. If I have learned anything in this past year, it has been this. This is the first thing I wrote down in my journal yesterday. Just because God is not talking to you about your problems, it doesn't mean that he's not working on the answer. Just because God doesn't talk to you about your problems, it doesn't mean he's not being proactive about an answer. Over and over again, Throughout the beginning and all the way up until this moment right now, we have encountered these moments where we've stepped into this place of pain and confusion and looking for clarity and asking God, God, we need you to do something. Step forward, please. Say something. Give us a plan. Do anything at this point. And silence, dead air, static, nothing. Days go by. Weeks go by. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just like this story right here, Moses shows up. And I have too many little points I want to, you know, give you right now to actually go into all these stories. But you know these stories. It's the very beginning of our story. When we met at Debbie's house and Dan Rotok called us. It's that conference hours that where somebody came up to me and gave the prophetic word. It has happened again and again. And I don't know, maybe you are a guest here tonight. Maybe you are not even intimately tied into this community. Whatever it may be, the truth still stands. If you are going through a season of chaos and confusion and you are looking for God to provide a response that is suitable, just because God is not speaking to you about your problem does not mean that he's not working on your answer. Wait for Moses. He will show up out of the blue and he will blindside you. Now, lest you think that I'm confusing Jesus with a genie, let's remember the other part of this truth. Moses shows up in front of the Israelites and what he tells them in chapter 3 they don't actually experience until about chapter 13. You know what I'm saying? What he announces to them isn't actually fulfilled for about 10 chapters. The time of the announcement and the time of the fulfillment are not one and the same. They have to wade through the mystery, the confusion, and it's not until chapter 12 that they start to understand why. They get a little clarity behind the scenes. This is, oh, this is how God works. The text reads in chapter 13, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road to the Philistine country. But that was shorter. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt Ready for battle. See, I remember growing up and hearing our preacher tell us that God's way is the best way. But really? Because Google Maps would beg to differ. At least Google will help you avoid delay. God seems to aim for it. He takes you the long way around. He goes down the desert road. And this is the second thing that I wrote down that I'm going to pick up and take with me as we leave this season. The test of faith is not in the enormity of the obstacle. The test of faith is in the length of the wait. It's not how big we can believe. It's how long we can believe when believing seems to have gone broke. When it feels like we have no reason to believe any further. 
when it feels like we've run out of steps to take, when our plans are crap, when there are cracks in all of these lofty ideas that we once held. The test of faith isn't in how big and audacious your vision may be, but how long you can hold it when nothing's coming to be. It's easy to believe in what God has for you when you are in chapter 3 and a man just spoke to a bush on fire and he steps in front of you and said, God's got this plan for you. But talk to me in chapter 5. Talk to me in chapter 7. What about 8? 9, 10? It's not till chapter 12 that they finally get around to breaking out of there. And God takes them the long way around. And we also get an explanation as to why he does that. God says that if they were to start going the short way, the efficient route, if they were going to be about expediency in this moment, they'd turn tail and run real quick. They would see a battle that they're not ready for, and they'd back out of the calling that I've prepared them for. They would run in the opposite direction. And Debbie, we were, we were laughing about this last week on the phone, just saying how it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I'm so excited about what we're doing right now. It's amazing that this is happening in June because I remember last June when the calling from God on this community felt so crystal clear that it felt like if we don't plant in September, and by September I mean 2016, not 17, if we don't plant in September, we are being unfaithful. We are being like scared. We are backing out of God's like, God made the call clear. He announced it. We got to go right now. But then September came. We're like, okay, maybe we got to hold on a little bit longer. We talked about timetable. Maybe December. Maybe we make a departure at December. But that too feels like it's a little too far away. December comes. Christmas comes. And Christmas goes. And we're still here. Holding on still. Well, Easter. We'll, we'll leave after Easter at this point. And now here we are. Three weeks away from leaving, and it feels like, three weeks, God? I feel like we might need a little more time. But what's been interesting, again, about stopping and standing still and being able to turn around and see all that's happened before and behind us, is you can see all of the battles that God passed to take you the long way around. In those very moments where we may have felt like we had been deserted, we were never deserted. We were just on the desert road. The thing I wrote down when I recognized that God is more of an oven than he is a microwave and that he's going to bake us fully before we're going to be ready to be eaten, I realized that the desert road is the one that we all will have to walk. And the distance between the declaration and the deliverance is our own development. We are not who we were 12 months ago. I now shower two times a week. That's two times as many times as I used to shower. We have grown from children to a church. We're becoming a people. And as, as a leader in this community, I'll tell you this. I, I would, if we would have planted in September, we would have sank by December. Really would have. We just, we, we're not, today who we are is not who we were back then. We have been refined along the way. And so in this season, be it again in this community or in your own personal life, if you are wondering why God seems to be dragging his feet a little bit and you are walking the desert road, perhaps there is a purpose behind it. Perhaps you are being developed more than you even realize. 
Perhaps all the straining and the stress and the pushing and the pulling is making you stronger than you once thought you could be. I know in my spiritual life and I know in many others in this community, we have gone through a redemptive, beautiful story that felt awful at different points. And we have evolved as a community along the way because we took the long way. I'll close with this one. Um, in his class, my teacher asked me to help him lead one of the classes. And by that, I mean he asked a question, and I raised my hand, and I talked for a while. But I was sharing a little bit about our story as a community and what we have been doing and going through. And, and um, I had this, this kid uh, who came up to me afterwards in the class I mean, he's, like, he's not a kid, he's 25, 26. Man, I'm old. Oh, gosh, <laughs> just sitting in. I'm so old, 25, kid, okay. <sighs> Thanks, Jordan. Um, kid comes up to me, though, and he asks about, uh, you know, the story, the full story. And I tell him the full story, and we walk through the whole story. And he gets to this point where he goes, well, what does it actually look like to walk by faith. I mean, we talk about it all the time. It's in our praise songs. I mean, Christian will sing songs about it, and it's a part of the, the language that we use, walk by faith. But what does it actually look like? And for the first time in my life, and I'm not saying that to be dramatic, I actually mean it. For the first time in my life, I feel like I actually understand what it looks like. In this season when we have walked through these different pieces, it has been seeing the breadcrumbs that God has dropped in front of us and trusting that it was actually dropped by God. It is seeing these small moments and trusting that God is pulling us forward inside of them. Do we know for sure? No, we don't. We really don't. And as I was talking with him, I asked him to open up his Bible. And we went to Exodus 14, 21 through 22. Well, this is the last thing I wrote in my journal, but it's Exodus 14, 21 through 22. It's a familiar story. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. I'm going to stop right there. See, what I pointed out to him in that moment when we were looking at that story was that um, as we were talking about these breadcrumbs, is every breakthrough begins with a breeze. You know, in my mind when I had heard this story was, Moses stretched out his hands, he lifted his staff, and all of a sudden the sea split to one side and the sea split to the other side, but that is not what the story says. There are three words there that have changed my ideas of who God is and how God works. The text says that Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night, what began as a breeze built up into the breakthrough. But the test of faith is whether or not you will see the breeze and keep your hands still stretched out. The test of faith is whether when that light wind picks up, you believe that the sea is going to split eventually. That it's not just a careless wind, that God is actually on the rise, even if you cannot see the fulfillment of it fully today. These points, these small little things I wrote in my journal that I'm walking out of this story in this season with will forever change my understanding of who God is and how God works. It will forever change how I understand when that light, light breeze picks up. Because when I experience the breeze, I'm going to expect the breakthrough. And I have every reason to do so because I've seen it happen already amongst us. 
What will you leave with as you leave this season? Be, you know, again, I'm not talking about whether or not you're coming. To, not, I'm talking about this season is going, there's going to be a new reality altogether as you step into what's new. As you are so excited and celebrating what you are going into, don't forget to stop and see what you're coming out with. Pray with me. God, we are grateful for how faithful you have been to us, Lord. We are grateful, God, because we, we struggle to be faithful. Uh, we struggle to stay the course, to keep the hope, to hold on to the call that you have put on us. And yet we're trying, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. In Christ's name, all of God's children, we say together, amen.